Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here's Shahan J. Haraja and Babak Hayeri. Hi, everybody. This is the College Football Survivor Show, where we go deep into the season's contenders for the college football playoff. I'm Bob Ekhairi, and I'm joined, as always, by Shehan Jayaraja, national college football writer for CBS Sports. You can also find us on X at CFB Survivor Show, where you can participate in polls, and we've had couple of them right before this show send us your feedback and we always appreciate it if you take a moment to like rate and subscribe our show wherever you get your podcasts apple spotify wherever they'll let you write about us heck we'd read it and we'd love to see it but all of that said we had the latest college football playoff ranking the fourth one and so far there's been a couple of changes but shehan what what has struck you so far with these changes in the poll Well, I think you have to look at that number four spot. I obviously made the case for Washington after last week's show, and they did move up their number four. Now, I think that's right. I would personally have them even higher than number four with how good their resume is. But I understand why the committee values Michigan's consistency so much. But regardless, I mean, you look at two undefeated teams in Washington and Florida State, obviously both have had their ups and downs in terms of uh, how close their games have been. But the resumes are not anywhere close. Uh, Like Washington's resume is on a different planet. They have the best resume in the country right now. So the fact that they're at least in the top four makes me feel better because I think that if if Washington goes 13-0, it should be literally impossible for them to miss the playoff with the resume that they have. So I'm glad that that's worked itself out. Now I feel much more comfortable that Washington's in an okay spot. Yeah, and I think that was something that heading into this week before these rankings, it seemed, especially once Washington got past Oregon State, that we had to uh, we had to really take them a lot more seriously, particularly that that resume. And kind of, I forgot, I should have gone ahead and gotten really quickly down it. I mean, other than that, the top... Uh, 10 teams have more or less stayed the same. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, Florida State. You're undefeated, followed by one loss, Oregon, one loss, Texas, one loss, Alabama, two loss, Mizzou, and then one loss, Louisville. And then there's been a little bit of movement underneath that. You know, one of the things that kind of one of this struck me the most, I mean, taking the Washington, Florida State. And I just want to add one more thing. Despite the injury to Jordan Travis, I think the uh, the decision to move Washington above Florida State was more on the merits of their resume and not the the loss of such a key quarterback and such a key player and just great guy overall. Um, I'm curious to see how uh, Tate Rodemaker does over the next two games and if that influences the committee to maybe make potential adjustments one way or the other. Although we'll get to that in a later date. Let's let's let let's, let's, let's let those games happen. But the thing that kind of struck me, because you always look at how they backfill a schedule. You know, they added um, North Carolina State. That benefits Louisville. They added Clemson, which helps Florida State. 
you know, Tennessee's still on there. And they, of course, help uh, Georgia and Bama and to, to some much further distance Mizzou, which helps boost the two above them. Um, they've kept Mizzou ahead of Louisville, which I think kind of makes some sense, especially with what Mizzou has been doing on the field. But what kind of struck me is the way they've moved teams down that have suffered losses. Because I'm looking at Oregon State. They moved down five spots after a close 22 to 20 loss in the rain in a real struggle with, you know, the number four team in the land, Washington. And I'm looking at who's above them. And I'm not sure if I think, even though they have three losses, if Oregon State is weaker or I, who, who I would favor versus Penn State, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, and LSU. Now, Arizona, I get that's a head-to-head. It was a, a three-point three loss to the number 15 team. They also, of course, lost to a zoo by three points. So part of me is thinking, like, it, comparing them to Tennessee, Tennessee only falls back three spots after being blown out by Georgia, 38-10. to 10. The dogs were able to contain Dolly Parton's juju and turn her into a non-factor. And Tennessee hadn't lost in Neyland since 2021. And then previous week, they got blown out by Mizzou. And they only moved down a couple of, I mean, several spots. So in my mind, and this is going to sound weird, I almost feel like the Pac-12 is a little underrated overall by the committee because we just talked about Washington. I think you're right. Washington moving up to number four is great, but I think I would have moved them past Michigan, especially after our conversation in our last show. I mean, you could even argue that they might be ranked above Ohio State if we're talking purely based on record. Arizona, I mean, as I said, you know, they're at 15. They're a team on the rise. I think they arguably could rise even farther if, if they were given that opportunity. Because again, Arizona, I mean, they have two OT losses, you know, to Mississippi State early in the season, a triple overtime loss to USC, which hasn't been the greatest, but still it was triple overtime loss in the Coliseum. Could have gone either way. And losing to Washington, again, not a, the number four team in the land. And then we're kind of looking at, I mean, if I were to put them and stack them against some of these other teams, I think I might take the Wildcats. Similarly, we just talked about Oregon State at number 16. I'm looking at who there's no longer in the rankings. Seven and four Utah, fine. They took a loss. They moved them out. And seven and four UCLA, suddenly I'm kind of like, well, maybe they could have been moved up. Maybe maybe there was an opportunity to give the, the Bruins a little bit of an up there. And then because I'm thinking about those two teams, Utah and UCLA, at this stage, would I take them over Tennessee or Clemson? I don't know. I think those would be evenly matched games, but I could see a strength there for that. Or number 22, NC State, even though they have three only three losses. Or, you know, and I hate kind of picking on the G5. Tulane, number 23, one loss. Liberty, by the way, congratulations. You're in the, you're in the ranking. You know, I, I think there are teams out there that I would pick above Liberty. And I think the Pac-12 has some candidates. So that's why I was kind of looking at all of this. Now, I came to this weird conclusion that, yeah, we, everyone's saying the Pac-12 strong this season, and they are. And I think to some extent we saw that recognition in moving Washington up above Florida State. But I get this weird sense that if push comes to shove, the college football playoff committee is going to go back to how they've always kind of favored other conferences beyond the Pac-12. They're going to go and have this almost subconscious bias, unconscious bias to when push comes to shove, put another team ahead of a Pac-12 team because I think they just they just tend to do that. 
Yeah, I don't want to just focus on the same thing that we always talk about, but it does feel like SEC versus Pac-12 teams are often treated very differently. I mean, you look at Tennessee right now as a 7-4 and four SEC team, obviously. I mean, pick your favorite win on Tennessee's schedule at this point. There aren't very many impressive ones. Uh, but then you said it, Oregon State, they lose a game, a very, very close game. Their losses, I believe, are by a combined eight points. And they fall five spots. Like, what do you want them to do? Obviously, you know, sure, I I get the idea of Arizona jumping them. They're also a three-loss team. But I would potentially say that both these teams, power-wise, are in a different caliber than LSU or Ole Miss at this point. You know, you see Tennessee jump in because the committee's like, well, we think power-wise this is better. But when it's Pac-12, it's all about resume. Resume is the only thing that matters. And I, I just don't get it. So now let's take a second to have a little bit of fun here and look at some potential, I don't know, chaos scenarios, however you want to think of it. But let's think of a few interesting variations of what could happen in these upcoming weeks. Shehan, what are your thoughts on this? I know you've been doing some research here. So here's what we're going to do. Okay, I came up with a handful of very difficult scenarios for the committee to have to figure out. And some of these actually polled the listeners on our Twitter accounts. Uh, so we'll, we'll also get their input on some of these. And I think that when you look at this field right now, this is one of the toughest, I think, four-team fields that the committee's ever had to deal with. Certainly since you look back to 2014 with the Ohio State, Baylor, TCU, I think that this is probably the next toughest that they've had to do. Uh, obviously, a lot of moving pieces. It could just nicely work itself out. But let's start with, I think, with what I think is uh, maybe the most the most chaotic scenario where the committee was is going to have to make some very difficult decisions. In this scenario, which was presented by Razor Hamon on Twitter, also by John Williams on Twitter, we've got 13-0 Washington. They went out. 13-0 Florida State. 13-0 Michigan. They win the game. They win the Big Ten title game. Then you've got Alabama pulling the upset over Georgia in the SEC championship game. And you've got Texas finishing 12 and one. So what this would mean is that Washington, Florida State and Michigan should be in. Should should be no question about that. Also, by the way, lurking in the back there is non-champion 12 and one Georgia. That's also another factor to throw in there. But really, it comes down to this. Would the committee put 12 and one Texas over a 12 and 1 Alabama team that just beat number 1 Georgia. I this has been I think the greatest question of them all because I think this is of all the scenarios this is the most I agree the most plausible difficult situation. And we're going to see exactly how serious this playoff committee is about some of the the things they've said are important to them, which head to head. But at the same time you want to what you wonder if they're looking at these teams like if how are these teams playing now and if we're talking about how these teams are playing now you look at how Alabama has been especially after their bye week Jaden Milrow coming into this place where you know if we're looking at just November he's a November Heisman contender in so many ways um rolling into all of this and then you look at how Texas has done with some of those games where they they I mean they looked I think it's important that they looked pretty decent against Iowa State. They didn't let that game and aims get away from them. But I don't know with who they have next. I mean, granted, Alabama's playing Auburn and Auburn. Yeah, well, we'll set them aside. This ain't their year. Texas Tech, you know, even if if Texas rolls on Texas Tech, 
it's it's not a great victory. We'll see who shows up in the Big 12 Conference Championship game because, again, we're still need to see how that goes. But I don't know if they're going to get that that oomph, that kind of boost that it would take to make the committee feel like Texas is at a, is at a position right now where they are rolling and they would be one of those top four teams in the nation. And if Georgia takes care, I mean, um, if Alabama takes care of Auburn and goes and knocks off the team with the greatest, you know, one of the greatest active streak in college football, the two time reigning national champion. I really do think that uh, it's going to be Alabama because I think they're going to, and it's going to be so, I love it because no matter who loses in that scenario, if the, if the committee goes with Texas because of head to head, because that's what matters all along, or if they go with Alabama, you're going to have two extremely powerful, aggressive uh, fan bases that are going to, again, make next year all the more delightful, but are going to make, I think, it's going to be fodder for a lot of college football talk. It's going to be call-in shows. It's going to be everywhere. We're never going to hear the end of it. I mean, I can't even imagine how message boards are going to be because I have to help moderate ones. I can't even wait to see what that would be like in that scenario. But push comes to shove, I think Alabama would be the, the stronger candidate. And it's going to anger some people. I mean, I, I like to listen to other people's analysis. I've heard some of these folks who, who go really in this head-to-head. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, teams change. And where are the teams now? Well, I... What's the point of playing games then? What, what's the point of having a football season if we just decide that it doesn't matter? And Texas went on the road and didn't just beat Alabama. They beat them by 10 points on their home field. And I get it. Obviously, they've gotten better over the course of the season. I don't think that Texas necessarily would win by 10 points if they went on the road and played right now. But like, I don't know. It happened. That's the thing that happened. I, I don't know that Oklahoma would beat Texas if they played again right now. Should we just erase that loss? Should that loss not count? I, I don't I, I don't know. It, it's just silly to me, the idea that we're just able to simply erase games because we don't think that the results were legitimate enough. And I, I pulled the, uh, the listeners. I gave them three options. Who makes the field, Texas, Alabama or Louisville? 7% voted for Louisville. That just feels like voting for uh, for the Green Party or whatever. But 63% voted Texas. 30% voted Alabama. To me, this is an existential question of what the committee is trying to measure. Do the games matter or do they not? Because if the games don't matter, well, then let, let's just put Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Michigan into the field every year. Why, why even play the games? Why even do this if, if it doesn't matter? And, and the other thing, too, is why schedule a non-conference game if you're not one of these superpowers? Like, like why not just play bad teams every single year? Because apparently it's not going to help you if you play good teams. You know, it's it's interesting the way you put it that way, because I, I think there's a quirk here because with the four team playoff, it's still a very I mean, because I remember when they announced the 14 playoff, I was one of the folks that's like, well, this seems like only slightly better. I think it should have been. I mean, I was an advocate for eight when that was a question, um, because I thought that would be more robust and you'd have an opportunity for more of these kinds of border teams to get in where you get into this sort of question like. We have only four slots. You could make strong arguments for Georgia, pardon me, for uh, Alabama and Texas here, and then Georgia, really, in in, the, in all of this. Um, why not let them all in? And if we have enough room for them, but with a fourteen playoff, we never had that opportunity. Eighteen playoff, I think we certainly would have had that opportunity. So, 
I think we're seeing the limitations of this decision to go to just a simple semifinal final kind of uh, system because you you will. And I mean, because I think at this point, when we're talking between teams that are fourth and fifth, I think there's oftentimes, especially in a year like this, especially in a year like this or back in 2014, there is a real strong argument for for those teams let let out and let in because it really seems like any of those could have credibly had a chance to go through and win it all. Now, when we go to a 12-team playoff, I don't think it's going to be the same level of passion talking about... I mean, there will be people angry. There'll always be people angry. The person who's the 13th team or the 14th team or however they're going to do it on the TV show. But it's going to be less of an argument because we're at that point, we're going to be talking about a team probably with two or even three losses or you know a, a G5 team with one loss that is outranked by another G5 team with one loss. I think there will be some tension there, but it's not going to be what we're just talking about. We're like, yeah, Texas beat Alabama. But Texas also lost to Oklahoma and Oklahoma ended up not looking that great in the long run. So when we're and it's so weird, like comparing losses, then, you know, compare who did you lose to it? it, it, it you get into this warped scenario. Well, yeah, but team A actually beat team B. We've seen the thing is, we've seen historically things like this happen. 1978, there was a dual national championship, USC and the team that they beat. At the beginning of the season, Alabama shared the 1978 national championship because USC uh, tripped up in another game. So they split the title. So there's been a history of these weird scenarios where Team A actually did beat Team B, but they even shared the national title. Now it's it's a new version of it. And we're talking about who gets into the playoff. And I can't believe I'm actually saying like I kind of, you know, historically as a USC fan, I'm kind of like, I still can't believe Alabama won 78. That makes no sense to me. Now I'm like, you know what? But Alabama, we lost, the, you know, they lost to Texas. It was you know, now they're better. They look stronger as the season's progressed. I'm literally making the 1978 Alabama argument <laughs> all over again um, <laughs> to get them into the playoff. But I get it. And that's that I feel like have I have I like I've gone from, you know, that transition where you're just kind of a casual fan learning about all this stuff into the the the, the crazy, you know, <laughs> psycho version of a college football fan and that are, are just knowledgeable uh, uh, cover, person who covers football. And I, I, I really do think Alabama would deserve their spot in there. And I say that knowing how much rage it's going to cause a lot of people. <laughs> well, let's let's move on from that scenario. Obviously, that one I think is probably I, I think one that's the most likely scenario that could pop up. And by the way, the thing that's craziest about this uh, this four team fields with these teams is that Georgia wouldn't even be a factor. They'd have no case because the other conference champions would all be that strong. So we just have to leave 12 and one Georgia outs. No doubt about it. You know, wait, before we move on to the next one, I want to say, I do think there is the most plausible way to get Texas in is Georgia wins out, knocking out Alabama. You know, we'll assume Ohio State wins out or Michigan wins out, whatever. They go into the tailgate, but Ohio State would be the better one there. And at this point, Florida State take Florida State takes a loss either to Florida or to Louisville. I think that, especially at this stage, now feels more plausible than ever, just because of the question marks there and and who's going to rise up in the, the ACC title game. I really couldn't predict at this point. So I think if we see that, we'll get whoever wins the Pac-12 title game in there. We'll get Georgia. We'll get Ohio State, and then I think that leaves Texas to be the team in. Um, I think that could be also a very plausible scenario because I'm not sure. Any other team would have an argument there. I mean, you, there might be some push and pull over, you know, Alabama will be totally out with two losses. You might, if, you know, Washington loses, then you might say, well, one loss Washington versus uh, one loss Texas. That would be another interesting one as well. But I think, for example, if Washington wins out and we see, you know, 
Uh, Georgia went out. Ohio State went out. I think that might, and with a, a fall in the ACC, I think we'll see Texas go in. Well, I, I will tell you what, uh, these teams are named Texas and Alabama, uh, and Alabama. If these teams were named uh, Baylor and TCU, then somehow we'd get Ohio State at number four again. It would, it would just happen. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to our next one, which is given to us by Cyclone Larry on Twitter. In this one, Oregon beats Washington by two in seven overtimes in the, in the oh. conference championship game. I don't know that the seven overtimes is most important, but he, he laid it out. Michigan beats Ohio State and then loses to Iowa. So they're not a conference champion. Alabama loses to Auburn, making them 10 and two, but then blows out Georgia, making them 11 and two and a conference champion. Florida State and Texas win out. I think in this scenario, Florida State, Texas and Oregon are in. So I pulled four. Who gets the number four spot? Michigan, Washington, Georgia or Alabama? (laughs) Oh, wow. So wait, in this scenario, Alabama's yep. blown out Georgia in the SEC title game. Um, yes, but they also have a loss to Auburn in that case. They also have a loss to Auburn. I mean, I could see the committee just saying, give Georgia another shot because teams play differently the second time they play. I could see that. Um, but man, I, what do you think on that one? What did the people say? Did we, did we throw that before the... the- we did. We did. Uh, the people went with 12 and one Washington as a non-champion as the first team in. I don't hate it. I, I mean, I've spoken all year about how good I think that Washington's resume is. I think if this were to actually happen though, I mean, cause, cause we also have to throw by the way, 11 and two Iowa into that mix then. I mean, obviously I think that they'd probably be a little behind the eight ball, but they'd have a win over Michigan at that point and potentially an impressive one. So I, I do feel like you have to factor them in. So again, we're talking 12 and one Washington, 12 and one Georgia, uh, 12 and one Michigan, all as non-champions, and then 11 and two Alabama. I mean, this kind of comes down to what do they think is more impressive, having a conference championship or a better record? Now, I mean, whew, I've talked I all year. I think the committee's been... I think the committee's been pretty strong about conferences. Conference they championships have. matter. So but, but I think Alabama will get that. They 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 have, but it's been uh, the way that it's framed in the bylaws is that mm-hmm. it is a tiebreaker. So you have to consider these teams to be the same in order to, uh, you know, so I, I would imagine that you'd be looking at all the one loss teams. And if one of them has a conference championship, they're getting pushed above. And so... I mean, especially if Georgia loses big, like if Georgia loses big yeah, in the conference championship saying. game and then immediately gets put in over Alabama, like, oh my gosh, what do you do with that? Because then again, in this scenario, Washington is a 12 and one team with the most impressive resume in the country. Yeah, oh, I think it, yeah, I, I hate think those, this one. This one, this one could is be, It could just be one overtime. It could just be a walk-off field goal by Oregon to end the game. And then I could sure. see, I could see Washington having that credible. I I can see where where our our smart viewers, our listeners, our smart people on Twitter are coming from in this poll. I could see where Washington therefore ends up taking that second spot. But my goodness, that would. 
you will have so I think the Pac-12 might get destroyed before it even <laughs> officially ends. We might get some very upset SEC fans lighting fires in Oakland or wherever they move that headquarters after they finally left San Francisco. I I, I would be that would mm, yeah, that would be I mean <laughs> kind of would be kind of amazing, but uh but at the same time, no, yeah, I, I could see that rage. But I at the same time I can see that well. Georgia lost that one game, but you know, because we've seen that before. You know, they'll they'll, they'll put them back in even after a, even after a conference loss. I and mean, we saw that it wasn't a blowout loss, but we saw that just a couple of years ago with Georgia losing the SEC title game, getting in and winning it all. So maybe they'll be like, "Hey, it worked two years ago. Why don't we let it in again and see how that works?" <laughs> all right, let's move on to another one. So this one comes from Michigan CT on Twitter. Thirteen and zero Georgia, so they're in. And then basically conference championship game chaos. So we have Florida State losing both to Florida and then to Louisville. Louisville also losing to Kentucky. So they're a two-loss conference champion, though. So they'd have priority over Florida State. You'd have Iowa beating Michigan. You have Oklahoma State beating Texas. And then Arizona beats two-loss Washington, who loses both to Washington State and the conference championship game. Uh, so they're an 11 and two non-champ. Arizona would be a 10 and three conference champ. So Georgia's in, no question about that. After that, what the hell? <laughs> After that, what the hell is absolutely the way to look at it. All right. I am I am gonna say that we're gonna probably see the committee fall back on their their historic gut feelings. So I could see Alabama being in. Just being eleven and two with a win over Georgia, even though uh, no, no, they would have Georgia. a loss to Georgia in this case. Oh, they would have a loss to Georgia. Yeah, this is oh, thirteen and zero Georgia. They they went out. Oh, thirteen and zero Georgia. I'm sorry, I misheard that. Yeah, so man, so our, oh my goodness, <laughs> like I mean, do do they start looking further down in the college football ranking? What do you think here? I mean, I'd love to hear your thought on this one. Yeah, so. I think in this scenario, we are just throwing out conference championships at this point. I think that they're just going to erase their importance um, because there wouldn't really be an obvious conference champion who has to make the field. And so I think that Michigan would still be in good shape. I don't I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think they're still in good shape with a win over Ohio State. Um. I mean, the Washington losing to Wazoo and then Arizona makes this a lot more difficult, as does Louisville losing to Kentucky before beating Florida State. Uh, yeah, OK, I'm going to I'm going to say Michigan's a lock. 11 and one Michigan is uh, or 12 and one Michigan is a lock uh, because they would have beaten Ohio State. So Georgia, Michigan. <laughs> so I, mean, I think the ACC would have played themselves out. I think under no circumstances yeah. do either ACC team make it at that point. The committee's just looking for an excuse to write them completely off. Um, my, <laughs> I think my, so too. I think so too. I, so therefore, we're left with teams where it's like, hmm, where where are they looking for? So wait, what happened in the Big Twelve in this scenario? I'm sorry. In this scenario, like, Texas finishes eleven and two, but mm. loses to Oklahoma State in the conference championship game. <laughs> This one is very chaotic. Um, Texas might still so have yeah. an argument there. Texas might still have an argument. Texas then you do still look has at an it. argument. They beat, they beat, uh, they beat Alabama, uh, right. but they lost to Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. I think that that's true. Uh, for this to happen, by the way, Oregon has to lose to Oregon State. So they would be a 10-2 and two team. I, I'd be really curious just in general 
how 10 and 2 Oregon is treated versus 11 and 2 Washington losing in the conference championship game, but losing their last two games in that scenario. Like, I think that that's the sort of thing where timing really does hurt you. And Washington State, you know, I think at one point looked like a pretty decent team. Uh, They don't so much anymore. And I think that that probably hurts you as well. Oh, man. I mean, I here's here's what I'd love. I'd love for us to say, well, uh, Arizona just started the wrong quarterback. Let's put Arizona into the college football playoff. <laughs> well, you know, I think Oregon would suddenly have a, probably the most yeah. compelling argument, only because I think of, so too. Yeah, but man, that is that is because <laughs> especially the, by by virtue of simply not playing in their conference title game. But um, man, that is I love that scenario. That is the true chaos scenario. That would suddenly push this entire season past 2007 for the wackiness scale. I mean, we would, <laughs> we would, because I mean, things, crazy things have happened again. I just want to say the 2003 season. I remember I just jokingly threw out a scenario to some friends like, well, if these things happen, USC would end up in like potentially in the BCS national title game. And then they ended up happening. And I remember I got emails because back in the day, that's how you communicated emails. <laughs> I got all these rapid emails from friends like, oh my God, Oklahoma just lost. Oh my God, was crazy. Just and then the BCS computers still put them in the title game. And then we ended up with a split championship that made, you know, which actually was a perfect semifinal. But um, because we had, you know, number one versus number four AP and number two <laughs> versus number three AP. That's literally how the Bulls worked out that year. But um, man, this is I, I would love to see this scenario because I the, the amount of conversations that would generate would be off the chart. But I at this point, do they <laughs> just put them in like. Oh, they should just do a wheel of fortune thing and like <laughs> announce it. Imagine like, let's just get some serious, like if I'm, if I'm at ESPN, I, I would encourage it. Cause like that show is going to get tremendous watch, you know, like we're going to do come back next week as we pick the final four and then they'll actually spin this wheel. Oh my goodness. That would be, that would feel so, like basically what we got now. So one factor that I think we also have to throw in is that Ohio state would be 11 and one in this scenario with only a loss to Michigan. So I wonder if that puts them. So so in this scenario, maybe we go Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Texas. I, I feel like that's where I'm landing. And I'd hate that, I by the way. That. That, that would suck. That would suck. It would <laughs> suck. But I think I think those are the strongest ones. I think Ohio State in particular, you're absolutely right, has one of the strongest, one of the strongest resumes in that in that picture. Because again, they only had that one loss. So. <laughs> All right, let's move to one that was posed by one of your colleagues over on the RCFB account. Uh, this one is just so dumb. 11-2 ACC champion Louisville. So they lose to Kentucky and then win the ACC. Uh, because of some Big 12 tiebreaker math, we get 8-5 Big 12 champion Iowa State. So... Cool. Uh, 10 and three conference champion Iowa. So that's them losing to Nebraska and then beating Michigan. 10 and three Pac 12 champ Arizona, my one true champion. Uh, 11 and two SEC champion Bama. And that would also leave us with 12 and one Georgia, 12 and one both Ohio State and uh, one of Ohio State and Michigan, the other being 11 and one. 12 and one Washington, but obviously with a loss in the conference championship game, 11 and two Texas, 11 and two Florida State. Oh my goodness. You know, first of all, <laughs> I, I don't know why I kind of want to see the Cyhawk semifinal 
Um, but, uh, you know, he painted a really fun picture there. I watched just let in Iowa State, even though they are completely unqualified, just so that we can have that and we can have a semifinal game that that is also, you know, 10 to three or something like that. But I'm going to say, I think in that scenario, my goodness, I am leaning towards Washington being in, even though they would have lost their title game, because we've seen okay. that happen before particularly last year with TCU. I could see the winner, pardon me, the one loss. Well, gosh, they would both be one loss, wouldn't they? Ohio they State would. Michigan. One would be 12 I think and they one, might, one would be 11 and one. I could see either one. I could see either or both of those teams getting into that scenario because then it becomes who survived. And then Georgia, I could see that being, that, that would be my, uh, I guess that would be my four. I just kind of spell it out <laughs> at that point. Would it be, uh, yeah, gosh. So I will I will say I will say again this is the scenario where if Alabama loses to Auburn but beats Georgia how does the committee treat that right do they do they value the head to head more or do they value uh, which would have just happened by the way because you'd have a head to head and a yeah. conference championship it, it would be a really weird scenario yeah I I absolutely do wonder if they I would and I wonder how much they would pay attention to the nature of the loss if it's, if it's a close game. Or if Georgia, like something weirdness happens on the field, like somebody gets injured, hopefully nothing serious, but the whole dynamic of the game just gets clearly affected. Something which is a believable scenario. Sometimes these things happen and, and you know, a team just looks completely off and out of sorts. Um, but the fact that in that scenario, Bama would have just also lost to Auburn would certainly hurt their chances. And I could see the committee getting stuck in a little bit of historical... Um, respect in the fact that Georgia is a two-time defending national champions and seeing like, well, let's give them one more shot if those are the other teams that they'd be competing against. Most compelling to me would be the loser of Ohio State, Michigan. I think they would be in by nature of the fact that their one loss would have been a quality loss, you know, um, and they otherwise only have one. And yeah, Washington there would also be a toughie, man, especially with Arizona knocking them off. Because Arizona on the rise, fine. Washington maybe came a little loose, but their overall strength of schedule, their strength of their resume, I think might keep them in. But that's another glorious one that's going to make a lot of people <laughs> upset. That's like Hitchhiker's Guide, you know, the universe the, the, in the beginning, there was nothing. And, you know, the universe was created, which has made many people upset and has been long regarded as a bad move, um, which I know just completely <laughs> ruined that quote. but. Uh, we we get it. We get it. Uh, I will say in all of these scenarios, I think that that 11 and one Ohio State has much more of a case than 11 and one Michigan. If Michigan loses to Ohio State, I, I think that there's not much pathway for them because you look at their strength of schedule and you look at the struggles mm -hmm. that they've had the past couple of weeks. I mean, that Maryland game was was not good. And when you have so few quality games I, I mean you're going to be judged differently on those quality games so i i don't think you can lose against ohio state and still be in a good position unless you're talking like crazy crazy chaos whereas ohio state has a little bit of a better better resume they obviously play uh played notre dame earlier this year they and so i think that they would be in a slightly better position though still not an ideal position as well I fully agree with you, but in this crazy version of the scenario, that would still yeah. leave Michigan pretty decent compared to the rest. I think that's the only reason why, and especially if that's a close 
Michigan lost. Well, of course it would be a close Michigan loss if Iowa won. It's not like I was <laughs> going to suddenly turn into Goliath and smash them. It's no, gonna no, end no. Up being... I'm saying I'm saying if Michigan loses to Ohio State and does not play for the oh, conference, oh, then I think that okay, that 11 yeah. and one team mm. is in is in a worse position because then it's really they only have position. one win. Yeah. It is, but in this crazy scenario, I don't know who, I, I mean, you know, who else would we put ahead of them at that point? <laughs> you know, especially when we're looking for four slots. I think, in, yeah. you know, ahead to, I think in more of the more realistic scenarios, yeah, absolutely. Michigan loses and they're out. They're, they're, yeah. At this point, they have these last couple of weeks, and it is striking how just a few weeks have really changed the, uh, the tone for the program. Um, and, and how they're perceived, particularly going into the game, but also just in general. Like if they lose, it's like everyone's like, you know, they're not even looking that strong as they were. And oh, by the way, that schedule was off because it used to be. I mean, the whole argument before was, yeah, it's not the greatest schedule, but Michigan's doing what Michigan's supposed to do and absolutely rolling all of these teams. And then that Maryland game could not have come at a worse time. And and now we're talking about it in this manner because now I, I think you you could have seen even more of a push. Like, okay, it's not their fault. Like, look at how they've been doing, but that. It's amazing how one game has changed the color of that. Um, but I, yeah, uh, the problem is it's it's a tight market right now. So you've got to you got to impress. There's no room for error. No doubt about it. Well, uh, make sure and check out CBSSports.com on Thursday for an article about what Michigan needs to do and why JJ McCarthy is the key to that game. Uh, I've got one more, but let's do it after the break. We'll do that next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back. All right. So we've talked about the top. We've talked about the top four. Let's go to the other side of the bracket for a second. This one is where it can get really dumb. The group of five spots. So right now we've got number 23, Tulane. We've got number 25, undefeated Liberty. Both will probably win out. I I think that it's probably going to end up being Tulane. But in this scenario, and I did poll for this one. In the American Championship game, Tulane gets upset by UTSA, and then UTSA, which is 10 and 3, beats SMU in the conference championship game. So we have 10 and 3 UTSA from the American. We have 11 and 3 New Mexico State upsetting Liberty, fresh off the heels, by the way, of a win over Auburn. Air Force, which has three losses right now, edges out UNLV, so they're a 10 and 3 conference champion. 11 and 2 Miami of Ohio upsets Toledo to send them to 11 and 2. And in the Sun Belt, 9 and 4 Appalachian State upsets 10 and 3 Troy. So our conference champions that we'd be picking from would be 10 and 3 UTSA, 11 and 3 New Mexico State, 10 and 3 Air Force, 11 and 2 Miami of Ohio, and 9 and 4 Appalachian State. Who you got? I, this is, I love how messy this is because <laughs> I'm almost, and I, I'm looking at how the poll went and I'm leaning in that direction as well. The poll, the people, a little over 50% voted for UTSA. And I, the, I see the argument only because UTSA 
it's now that Frank Harris is, is healthy, now that they're looking as good as they have, as, as expectations were after kind of a, a shaky beginning. They had that close loss to Houston to open up the season. They, they dropped a game, again, another kind of close game with Army and then, and then to Tennessee. They've been reeling off win after win after win. They seem to be in a good zone. Uh, Jeff Trailer, to his credit, is is absolute phenomenal coach, which is why you always hear him coming up for that Texas A&M job. I think they are, have the momentum and they should be the ones to move ahead. Because then also, they would have beat a Tulane team that is ranked. Um, I don't know where SMU would end up in going into the, into the, uh, the, the American t- title game, but they at least have had one ranked opponent that they've defeated. And they'll have that edge. I think that the strength will be for just the general strength of the American conference. SMU has had some in- impressive wins this season too. So it's not quite the patsy opponent that you might be worried about. Although to be fair, I think especially the, the, the concern was especially with conference USA, New Mexico state. Everyone's like, Oh wow. Okay. They, but then, you know, wow, look at what they've done in the last couple of weeks. They, they locked their spot and then they, they kind of put some real icing on the cake by uh by beating auburn so uh, to, to credit due though all of these these conference title teams look pretty solid and impressive but at the same time if push comes where to shove there i, I do go with the uh the roadrunners so i i get it and i mean obviously the american has produced more than half of these uh since since the college football playoff started doing the new year six those losses though are not great at houston 17 to 14 Versus Army, 37 to 29. Army's been a huge disappointment this year. The Tennessee loss, whatever, not a big deal. Like you mentioned, without Frank Harris in the lineup. But then I think you also start to look at the rest of their wins. The Tulane and SMU wins would be very impressive. No no question about it. But it's Temple, UAB, FAU, East Carolina, North Texas, Rice. That's not moving me a lot. I don't know that's moving me enough to completely overcome uh them having a worse record than most of these teams. But like, there's not a home run either. I I do think there would be a lot of momentum for New Mexico State to get into the conversation. Obviously, they beat their SEC opponent. They beat uh, Auburn by three touchdowns, which was unbelievable. They also, I mean, their first half of the year was not good. Lost versus UMass, lost at Hawaii by three points, lost against Liberty. They'd get a chance to avenge the loss to Liberty, obviously, in the Conference USA title game. So that would be one that would be kind of interesting to watch. And and obviously, I mean, when you talk about beating Liberty, I think that that would be a comparable type victory to beating Tulane and and to, to competing with SMU. This is this is not like this is tough. I can't believe that Air Force fumbled this bag. I was so oh high gosh. on Air Force heading into the year and they looked the part all year long. They looked like the first team in line if something were to happen. Also also by the way Fresno State is a team that could get into this conversation as well if they're able to finish off the Mountain West, but it's just like I don't know. I I don't feel yeah. great about it. You alluded to our results in the poll. I will mention those real quick. 53% go UTSA, 25% New Mexico State, 12% Miami of Ohio, 10.5% Air Force. I, I have to say, I think the Mountain West this season has picked the worst time to take losses. Because as we said, Air Force, after that Army game, has not been the same. We, you mentioned Fresno State, but they they lost in New Mexico, which was one of the the real shocking results of the weekend. I mean, that... That knocked down. I mean, even if they get in, that really took any edge off of their their resume. That that you just that's not something you expect from any title 
contender um, in those conferences. Um, and I think the reason why New Mexico State has an argument is like UTSA, they're peaking at the right time. You know, so if they do go through, they still got Jack State um, before they play Liberty. And if they go through and, and avenge what was a uh, a pretty substantial loss, because that was one of their worst losses was to Liberty. They they went the loss to Hawaii was at Hawaii. I could see people saying like it was a three point loss at Hawaii. It's a lot of travel, kind of a pain to play. It can be difficult. Maybe that was why the only one that's weird is that opening home loss to UMass. <laughs> I mean, how man. how do you look past that? I mean, and it, that's a funny thing. They actually formed a three-team circle of suck with Auburn. Because Auburn, the next game, UMass went and lost to Auburn, and now New Mexico State has beat <laughs> Auburn. Who, I, that is, that is kind of beautiful in its own kind of sick way. But I, I think both of those teams would have arguments. But I think, again, I'm just going based on the, the overall strength of UTSA versus New Mexico State. But I could, I mean, New Mexico State would be the ultimate pick for just feel good. Could you imagine that would yeah. be beyond that would not only be that would be the best season beyond in their history. It would be Cinderella times a thousand. I mean, New Mexico State, for those who may not be aware, the longest time they had like the longest bowl drought that went stretched like 40 years. And then they finally made it into a bowl and, you know, like with the bare minimum. And when they won that bowl, it was like uh, I remember watching the end of that game. It was like they stormed the field in the bowl game because they were just like, we did it. You know, you saw these fans so thrilled. They had like six or seven wins. Like they honestly looked like they, if the idea of them going to the peach bowl, would be, <laughs> I mean, you would have no, I don't think any team in the history of the college football, the BCS, the playoffs, whatever you want to any stage of it will ever have been more happy just to be there than, than the New Mexico state Aggies. But all that said, in that scenario, I, I'm I'm still leaning towards UTSA, which would also be really thrilled. But it would for them, they had a lot higher expectations going into the season, so it would not quite have the same vibe. They really thought they were going to win this outright and potentially just you know win out their entire schedule. Maybe not against Tennessee, but at least overall, they thought they might have had that shot to go in and win out entirely. So I, I will before we I, I will make a quick case for Miami of Ohio. So they would be the best record out of all of the group of five champions. They would have an 11 and two uh, total record. Their only conference loss this year was a four point loss against Toledo. They would have to avenge that loss in the conference championship game. If they did it, they do. Well, first of all, they have a win over UMass by the way on the road, but they also do have a power five victory over Cincinnati. Their only loss outside of the Mac uh, would be against the other Miami off brand Miami, as we, as we like to call it on this program. Uh, and so like, that's pretty impressive. I mean, they went on the road and beat Ohio 30 to 16. They beat Bowling green 27 to zero. Like it's very hard in this day i think for a mac team to make any sort of real argument for the new year six i mean even like you have to go back obviously uh western michigan did it a couple years ago there were those great northern illinois teams and to be a two loss mac team i think makes it a little harder but their loss was to toledo it's not a bad loss so I, I do think that they would get themselves into the conversation, but I, I do think that you're probably right. The back-to-back -back wins of Tulane and SMU probably gets it over the finish line uh, for UTSA. 
You know, I also want to say that Toledo's also beat UMass. So I love that we're now using UMass as the, uh, <laughs> the, as the benchmark. Stick, the bar. You know, if you want to see where you're at, how did you do against UMass? Auburn beat them. You know, sorry, New Mexico State, you didn't. But hey, you know, Toledo and, <laughs> and Miami of Ohio managed to. Oh, my goodness. You know, before we do totally jump off, I wanted to give my rage scenario because I was coming up with ways that could also just create stress in everybody outside of perhaps two conferences. And my scenario is Georgia loses the SEC title game. Alabama wins out. So you've got a 12 and one Georgia, a 12 and one um, Alabama. Michigan wins out. So they're 13 and 0. Ohio State goes, they have one loss. And then, you know, Washington loses the Pac 12 title game to an Oregon State, pardon me, to an Oregon team that's lost to Oregon State. So suddenly, actually, wait, would that put in Arizona? Oh, that would it put could. in Arizona if Oregon State. It, it, it so imagine this. It, it wouldn't be a lock, uh, but I think it Arizona would have to would beat have to be Arizona State. Would have to be the Sun Devils. So there could be a scenario there where, especially if Texas falls in some manner at some point, either against Texas Tech or in the title game, and you know a little bit of chaos happens in the ACC, I could see there being the the, the doomsday scenario for everyone out who likes the idea of some level of equality and parity in the sport where you get two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams in this scenario. Um, that would be my ultimate chaos mode. That would just be the rage mode. That would just be, you will get so much. That angers the most of the, the more, I, I'm looking at the one that would anger the most parts of the country at once. I, I'm trying to anger as many people as possible with that. So that's by excluding as many human beings, you know, one last thought, and this is just, this is uh, for Louisville. Cause we keep saying like, there is a chaos scenario where Louisville could get in. I was trying to think it through is the chaos scenario that the big 12 has to just simply implode and no one makes it out. And you get a complete chaos situation for either the sec or the PAC 12. Um, cause I'm trying to come up with a scenario because I'm going to accept that the big 10 is going to shoot somebody into that. I mean, we're going to accept the fact that one of them will make it through. Um, in some credible way. And Texas is out of it because they've taken another loss somewhere, either to Texas Tech or in a conference game. Not totally implausible, not totally implausible there. So then you need to knock out the teams that are available in the two remaining conferences. The Pac-12, you'd have to have some scenario where Washington and Oregon take another, both of them take losses, potentially more than one. And uh, the SEC gets a little messy because Georgia loses. And perhaps Alabama takes a loss before beating them. I'm trying to think, is that what you need? Like, And I'm not saying all of those at once. I'm saying either the SEC yeah. totally screws up or the Pac-12 totally screws up. So I, I think that it could be as simple as Georgia wins, Ohio State-Michigan winner wins, so two 13-0 teams. Uh, and then I think that like if Washington wins and then Texas screws up and uh, Florida State, I think, can't lose in that scenario, they'd have to make it to uh, – they'd have to get through Florida – I mean, I think that they'd be four. I, I think that Louisville would be four in that scenario as a 12-in-1 conference champion that just beat top five Florida State. I think that would be enough. Now, maybe it wouldn't be. Maybe we'd get some other argument. But, I mean, in that scenario, four of the five conference champions would be 12-in-1 teams, and the fifth would be 11-in-2. I, I think that would be enough that they just get in. But, I, I mean, we do have to say, I harped on last week that Washington, it felt like, was being treated more like a one-loss team than a zero-loss team. Well, 
Louisville is being treated like a two-loss team. They're behind Missouri in the rankings. So they do have more ground to make up. But I still feel pretty good that if they're able to win fairly convincingly against Florida State, and if Florida State's 12-0 heading into that game, and and by the way, they, they, again, they'd be lower pri- priority than Texas. Texas would either have to lose uh, a conference title game or against Texas Tech. But if Texas screws up, I, I think that that's enough. But mm. I've been wrong before. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'll tell you one thing though. All of these, these, all of the analysis out there, all of the the very loud voices, and and because I'm more skeptical on this, saying Florida State don't don't you know rank them lower because Jordan Travis isn't there. If Louisville ends up beating them, people are going to be like, well, yeah, but Jordan Tra-, those same voices are going to say, yeah, but Jordan sure. Travis wasn't there, sure, you know, and I'm, and Louisville's going to be in this this like. What what do we got to do, man? Like it's not you know it's not their fault. So I mean, there's a not lot of this. That's what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a lot exactly. You know, why did you? But Texas, why did you lose to Oklahoma? You know, but well, you know, Oklahoma's again, different it, than Pitt this year. We can acknowledge uh, I, it. that's true. That's true. <laughs> but well, uh, I mean, and they're not. Hey, they're not UMass. You know, we're not. We're talking benchmarks <laughs> here. They're not the UMass benchmark. I, I, I do think. Uh, I do think that um, if Florida State beats Florida convincingly. I believe that's a road game. I believe Florida State is going on the road to Florida because, yeah, I believe it was senior night uh, at Dote Campbell against North Alabama. If they win convincingly, I think that will get over the the whole, oh, it wasn't with Jordan Travis because at least then Tate Rodemaker would be a little bit experienced. He'd have a good performance under his belt. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if they look bad against Florida and then lose to Louisville, I mean, yeah, then I think that Louisville might be in some trouble. I mean, isn't that the awkward thing about all of this, too? Because Florida also doesn't have Graham Mertz, you know? So, I mean, it's like we got a battle <laughs> of backup quarterbacks. So, I mean, it's going to be this weird circular, like, yeah, but you beat a Florida team that didn't even have their quarterback. And they're going to be like, well, you didn't have your quarterback either. And Louisville's going to be like, why are we part of this argument? Um, so, um, uh, so much, so much potential chaos. I cannot, cannot, cannot wait for this week. So, um, you know, before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you, so we're heading into the Thanksgiving holiday for those of you that are into it. What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? It's a good question. It's a good question. Uh, so, you know, what's funny. So obviously my family is Sri Lankan American. And so for the longest time we didn't do sort of the traditional Thanksgiving thing, but actually it's been since. I got married and like brought in my in-laws who didn't celebrate Thanksgiving at all that we've started to now like really do the traditional Thanksgiving thing, which is a lot of fun. I, it's so funny. I hate every ingredient of this dish, but you put green beans, cream of mushroom and uh, French fried onions together. I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know how it works. I hate all of those things. In well, French fried onions are good, but but like green beans from a can and cream of mushroom soup. I hate both of them. You put it all together, it just works, man. Like I I, I don't know how it works, but that's one of my favorite things. I'll also mention uh, I'll also mention dressing stuffing whatever whatever you prefer to call it uh, to, to me stuffing is when it's stuffed inside the bird i like that less than when it's dressing when it's just made on the side but those would probably mm. be my two uh favorite things would be green bean casserole and stuffing slash dressing see i came to this in a different direction like my family always had a traditional thanksgiving meal we always did all of that i think because my parents met in england and they loved the traditional english style of cooking and you see some of that Yuck. kind of bleed into the traditional thanksgiving style but all of that said as I got older, I really got tired of it. And and my my family, when I got married, my in-laws liked to do the traditional stuff. They really bought in. Like, I remember we went to one and we actually had to go around the table and say what we're thankful for. And I'm like, wait, what? My mom um, does that too. That. 
Yeah. So I, I, that to me was totally new because um, I'm like, I had the lazy American version of that, you know, growing up. But now it's so funny. Before the pandemic, we tried this and we continued it during and since. I actually just straight up because I finally asked my wife, I'm like, do you even like turkey that much? I'm like, no, she doesn't. Like, I don't either. Like, you know, let's order some barbecue. So we'll order from like Joe's Kansas City. We'll order from like one of the the, the various Terry Black or or whichever black family you want to are in Texas. And I just have them ship me some stuff in a, one of those big styrofoam, you know, completely let's kill the environment, but let's keep everything nice and cold. Frozen meat. We have a steam oven. Steam ovens are the wonderful thing for for thawing food. Like the meats come out almost just as like they just they're fresh. And that has been our Thanksgiving tradition. Just good old barbecue. Texas style is my my particular favorite. I've been around the South. I've been around places. Uh, there's something about that Texas style barbecue that just speaks to me. Kansas City is like my second place. And I, again, I like the rest of the South. It's nice. You know, I've had, you know, your yellow sauce or whatever you call it out in, in South Carolina and all the other styles. I know there's more than just that. Uh, but uh uh, there's something about that that just to me it's weird. I've now started associated with Thanksgiving, um, so that's for me. I, I've gone in a totally different direction. It's it's uh, ribs giving, or I don't know what you call it. It's barbecue giving. I love it. No, so the funny thing about uh, my my blended family too now is that my wife and her family are all vegetarian. So like it really puts an onus on the sides, obviously being good, right? Mm. And so uh, we we still do a turkey. Like my family, my, my parents are honestly big meat eaters, so like we we have to have some meat for them, especially. So they'll usually bring uh, or they'll make a turkey or something like that, um, and uh, and then bring that as well. But so it's a lot of sides. That's a good idea, though. I mean, again, I, I'm probably not going to get uh, ribs giving at my vegetarian wife's uh, Thanksgiving yeah. table, but uh, but maybe maybe one of these other birthdays uh, or or one of these other holidays or something, I'll have to bring that out. Absolutely. Well, as we wrap this up, I just wanted to take a second to thank all of you listening to us. We always enjoy having you join us in our conversations or joining us on our X slash Twitter account at CFB Survivor Show and where you can vote and message us your thoughts. We love to share them. Um, wanted to thank our producer, Joey Alberti. And um, yeah, enjoy your holiday. I'm Bob Akhairi. He's Shehan Jayaraja. You can find his work at CBSSports.com. Take care, everybody. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.